let us pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, I wanted to first clear up, clear up some confusion about last week's homily, if you were here and you heard it. Uh, a lot of people have asked me this past week, are you, are you leaving us, Father Miller? Are you going somewhere? No, I have no intention of going anywhere. You know, if I'm, the bishop sends me somewhere, I'll go there. But I haven't asked him to leave St. Dorothy's. He hasn't asked me to leave St. Dorothy's. If it's up to me, I'll stay here till I die or retire, whichever comes first. So don't worry. I was just sharing with you what had been on my mind and my heart. But this week, our Lord gives us um, a beautiful summary of the entire Old Testament. He says, the law and the prophets, right? Two commandments. The entire Old Testament can be summed up in these two commandments. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's important to know that these two commandments in particular are the ones by which we will be judged when we die and we go for our judgment before the throne of God. There we will be, our Lord, the Father, and he will say, okay, how well did you love me with all your heart, soul, and mind? How well did you love your neighbor as yourself? Now, earlier in this week, we had the gospel reading where Jesus tells us, his disciples, that when you're on your way to court, you should settle with your opponent before you get there. Because once you get there, the judge is gonna throw you into jail and you're not gonna be released until you've paid the last penny. The fathers of the church who comment on this passage, all of them interpret it as Jesus telling us about this life in which we live. He says, because all of us right now are on our way to court, right? We're on our way to death. So whenever death comes, that's our judgment. That's the court. And he says, since we're on our way in this life, we need to settle with our opponent before we get to the judgment. Well, what does he mean? Who is our opponent? Most of you may think it's the devil. But for those who are saved, for the believers in Christ, the devil isn't our opponent. It's Jesus himself. Jesus will stand there before the Father and accuse us. They haven't followed me well, Father. They said they were my disciple, but they haven't done these things. And so the fathers say, our opponent is the Lord himself. How do we settle with the Lord before we get to the court date? Well, our Lord gave us the way. Jesus gave us the way. It's confession, right? I go to Jesus in confession, and I say, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I failed to follow you and your commandments in these ways. I haven't loved you above all things, and I haven't loved my neighbor as myself, right? We use the Ten Commandments, seven deadly sins, and we confess all of our sins. And Jesus says, because you have taken responsibility and apologized, I forgive you. And then when you go to court, those things never come up. It's one of the nice things about confession in regards to the final judgment. Everything that has been forgiven through the sacraments, baptism, confession, even anointing, will not be brought up at our judgment. So you, most of us are familiar with the idea that at the final judgment, you kind of like watch this video recording of your life, you know, and all of the good and all of the bad is pointed out along the way. It's kind of an old, well, not that old, but it's an older idea of the final judgment. The reality is, if I've gone to the sacraments and received the forgiveness of my sins, the video has a lot of parts that have been edited out of it. All of those sins that have already been forgiven by the Lord are removed. 
Now, the video might be quite short at that point, but in the end, the importance is all the bad stuff is gone. And so all that is left is the neutral stuff, which doesn't really matter, and all of the good that you have done. That's the beauty of our Lord's teaching, right? He doesn't want us to go unprepared to our death. It's one of the reasons why we have the anointing of the sick and the apostolic pardon. These things are, are beautiful gifts. Now, again, if we don't prepare ourselves for death, what happens? Well, Jesus says, you'll be thrown into prison and you won't be released until you paid the last penny. Now, in this case, he's not talking about hell because he said you can be released from this prison. Well, what's the prison after death that you can be released from? It's purgatory. Meaning you're going to be stuck in purgatory until you've paid all of the debts down. And we know that because the saints teach, mystics teach, that the average length of time in purgatory for the average Catholic who lives in the sacraments is 40 years, 40 earth years. That's a long time. I have a personal theory that uh, the length of time that we may have to suffer in purgatory is dependent upon how long the consequences of our sins remain in the world. So, for example, you know, if I do something good, it's like planting a good seed and it bears good fruit. But if I do something bad, it's planting a bad seed and it bears bad fruit. And that bad fruit bears more bad fruit. So the idea is, as long as my sinful consequences continue to exist in this world, after my death, I'm stuck in purgatory. I can't get out. That's why we pray for the poor souls in purgatory. We'll be celebrating special mass this week for them on Thursday, the Feast of All Souls. For each of us, we have to remember, just for the sake of our well-being and good, our Lord has given us all of the things we need to avoid being worried about the final judgment. Now, a mistake that sometimes people make is assuming that God is going to judge everybody by these two commandments. He's not. He's only going to judge the believers by these two commandments. The unbelievers, they've already been judged. There, there's no need for a judgment. They go before the throne of God after death, and instead of our Lord accusing them, he stands there, but it's Satan, and says, oh, uh, God, they belong to me. And the Lord says, so be it. Commandments, the teachings of Christ, are not for unbelievers. Now, God wants everybody to be a believer and follow his commands, but this is how he judges us, and it's very important to remember that. And so each day, I, ideally, I should wake up and say, okay, how am I going to strive to love God with all my heart, meaning all my desire, all my soul, every aspect of my being, and my mind? even in the ways that I think. How am I going to do that today? Or is God just an afterthought? Because I've, I've got stuff to do. And then secondly, how do I love my neighbor as myself? And St. Paul gives us some instruction in that. No, sorry, not St. Paul. He does talk about that in the second reading. But Moses, in the book of Exodus, you know, is, is explaining to us some of the ways in which God will judge us. And it's an important thing to consider, right? He says, do not molest or mistreat or oppress the alien, meaning somebody who's coming to your land or your country who isn't part of your society. Don't mistreat them. You've all been aliens at one point or another in your life. He says, never wrong a widow or an orphan. If they cry out to me, I will punish you. So the Lord is warning us. How do we treat other people, right? These are our neighbors. How do we treat them as ourselves? Another point he makes out, when you lend money to someone who is poor, do not exact usury. This is interest. You know how the banks, 
Banks don't follow Christian principles. So, <laughs> uh, you know, they don't have to. They're not Christian institutions. Um, but for us, if we were to lend money to, to someone in need, you don't charge interest, right? A, a Christian wouldn't do that, right? Because if you had to lend from someone else, you wouldn't want them to charge interest on you. Love your neighbor as yourself. The interesting thing is, and I'll explain what he means by this, he says, uh, when you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, what does this mean? Okay, the most important piece of clothing at that time in history was a cloak, because not only would it keep you warm during the day, you could wear it, but at night it acted like a blanket or even sometimes like a little tent. You could cover yourself up. So the most expensive and most important piece of clothing that everybody owned, women and men, was their cloak. And if they needed some money and they were really poor, they would give their cloak to the, the person from whom they're lending the money to, it's like basically sending your, I guess your, your car, uh, what's it called? Title, your collateral, thank you, that's the word, right? It's like having collateral to get a loan. That was their collateral, their cloak. And our Lord says to them, if that's the only collateral they have, then every night you have to give it back to them because otherwise they'll be sleeping in the cold. And if they cry out to me, I will hear them, right? So what would you want the person who's holding your cloak to do? Doesn't mean you can't get it back the next day, but you know, at least out of charity, return to them what they need. Again, we, have, we always see this. Whenever somebody is particularly weak, poor, or suffering, our Lord's heart goes out to them in a very special way. And if we ever take advantage of that, if we don't do everything in our power to assist and help and uplift them, the Lord says, if they cry out to me, I will hear them, for I am compassionate. You see, Jesus wants us to be just as compassionate as he is. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Compassionate in a sense to be soft-hearted, to feel their pain and their suffering and want to alleviate it in some way. So again, each day it's so important for the sake of our own judgment, not only that we get to confession and then allow our Lord to forgive all of our sins, but that we consider these two most important commandments. Do I love God above all things, with all, not some of my heart, all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and do I love my neighbor as myself? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.